Hi there everybody, Ed asked me to chime in and let you know about me. My name is Dan and I am weird. But I don't see weird as a bad thing. Weird just means people marching to the beat of a different drum, not fitting into that hole that society wants to shove you into. On my show, The Power of Weird, I'm talking to people like me, the weirder the better. So when you're done listening to this great episode of the Dead America Podcast, come on over to thepowerofweird.com and start the descent into your weirdom. And remember, be the weird you want to see in the world. I'll see you next time on The Power of Weird. Are you ready to reclaim your power and release the hero inside of you? Today's guest, Christian De La Huerta, wrote an outstanding book, Awakening the Soul of Power, How to Live Heroically and Set Yourself Free. I interview a lot of people, but I have never felt such a soulful power in a person like I felt when I spoke with Christian De La Huerta. This man is amazing. You can feel his gentleness, his caring, his soulful power. And I cannot wait for you to identify your inner hero. And hopefully our talk today will help you do just that. Let's not waste any time and get into this fabulous episode. To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes, we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today we are speaking with Christian Delawerta. Christian is an award-winning author. He is a personal transformation coach, and he also is a TEDx speaker. Christian, could you please introduce yourself and let people know just a little bit more about you, please? Yes, thanks. First of all, thanks so much for having me on the the show, Ed. I really appreciate it and have been looking forward to this conversation, especially knowing now that you're in... um, three miles from from the fire in Oregon it's like wow my 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 heart goes out to you and to your neighbors and your family and all your loved ones thank you um, yeah you know I've um I've been doing transformational personal transformational retreats and workshops for the last 30 years um I was born in Cuba for lived there for the first 10 years of my life came to the states um when we first came we lived in um middle of Georgia in a small town and didn't speak a word of English. So as you can imagine, especially at that time, um, God must have been, yeah, 50 years ago. 
they didn't take very kindly to foreigners. Um, and I had, you know, I was pretty shy, um, introverted as a, as a kid. Um, and, and as a teenager, I think probably innately so, but having grown up my first 10 years in a communist regime, my parents were involved in the counter revolution. So they were, um, you know, they were working with a group of Cubans on the island with the CIA against the Castro regime. And out of their pot of friends, they were pretty much the only ones who were not shot or spent 20 years in, in political prison. You know, of course, I didn't know any of that growing up as a kid. But what what I think impacted us was that there was an implicit, because there was real danger that they were living in, um, there was like an implicit message, kind of not to let yourself be seen too much. And I think that may have impacted my 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 introvertedness. So when I first landed without speaking a word of English, um, you know, I, I was a good student. So I did have that going for me, which was another benefit of, or benefit of having been raised in, in a communist country. We had a TV, but there was nothing worth watching. So we grew up reading. And I think because of that, I, I because I appreciated, you know, learning and reading um, and had the, had an appreciation for words, um, being a good student student was natural for me. Um, but I was so shy at that. I had pretty much had a 4.0 in college. I had one B my last year. And, of course, I didn't do this intentionally, but looking back on it, I know that I sabotaged subconsciously my GPA because there is no way that I could have ever gotten up in front of a, an auditorium filled with hundreds of people to deliver the valedictorian speech. Um, so I, I tell that story because it it helps to illustrate the, the, the ways, the, 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 the patterns that sometimes we're not even aware of that impact our lives and our relationships and our choices. And, you know, flash forward to now um, where I speak all over the world, I've spoken at dozens of universities at, at, on the TEDx stage. And so that part of what I write about in this book is how we identify some of these subconscious patterns and some of the fears that we have allowed to hold us back and that we have given our power to so that we can let ourselves out of the self-made prisons that we uh, find ourselves in. Yes, that is so important and so empowering. You know, we we tend to put ourselves in those boxes. And like you said, it's a subconscious thing. So many people that I've spoken with, they bring this point up. And it's so important to get out of that box and discover who you are and finding that inner power, that inner strength out of diversity and coming through the struggles. That's really a emotional struggle yeah you wrote this new book and you base it on basically you want to empower women and give them a arm or a hand up in the world you talk about a balance of power shifting from this male culture dominating everything into a more balanced 
50-50 with women participating just as much as men. Can you speak a little bit about that, please? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, the book is for everybody because we all struggle with issues around power. Like we all um, give our power away. We all say yes when inside we feel no because we feel conflict or because we feel, you know, we fear that we're going to be rejected. Um, and, and we all have this conflicted relationship to power. We want it, but we're afraid of it. And, and no wonder we've been, um, you know, conditioned to believe that power is a negative thing. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. What they didn't tell us about Lord Acton's quote is that he was speaking specifically about political power, not personal power, which is what we're talking about. Um, and, and we also, you know, every, every day, all we've got to do on any given day is turn on the news. Or, or glance through the headlines online to, to witness at least one abuse of power. And so what good-hearted person wants, wants to abuse power or wants to be corrupted by it? So when you add to the mix the fact that we have been conditioned to believe that the emotions are weakness, which they're not. You know, the emotions are neither strength nor weakness. Weakness, they're not good, they're not bad. It's just energy like anything else. And, and so when you put all that together into, into a mix, what happens is that we end up selling out on our own power that nobody can give to us, nobody can take away from us. We are the only ones who can give it away. And the sad part, the tragic part, is that we give it away for kind of lame reasons, for, for an illusion of security, for a false sense of acceptance, and for morsels of, of, of pseudo-love. And so, yes, we all do that. And the book has a particular message we're seeing around women's empowerment. And, and that comes from my belief that that is the single most important thing that needs to happen in the world. When I think about strategically all the challenges that we're facing uh, as a species, um, when I think about what is one thing that we could focus on that will then impact everything else, that's what I land on because when women are in 50% of power, we're going to have a very different relationship to war and poverty and hunger and social justice and how we treat the environment to all of it. And it's not to idealize women. It's not to put women up on a pedestal. Women are also capable of abusing power. It's, it's because there has been, been this imbalance that you were talking about. Over the last, you know, several thousand years of what we, you know, call the patriarchal, the patriarchy, uh, that is more about power over, right? It's like the, the, the way that we have been relating to power is about force, fear, domination, control, manipulation, the kind of fear that requires, I mean, the kind of power that we, that requires that we push somebody down, that we step on them, that we put our knee to their neck in order for us to feel powerful. And so what this book is talking about is like, wait a minute, there's a different way to do this, right? There's a different way that to step into our power, that we can own our power. We don't have to give it away, that we don't have to be corrupted by it. We don't have to abuse it. There's a way that we can express it in a way that is a match for who we are. That's wonderful. So for the people, the book is called Awakening the Soul of Power, How to Live Heroically and Set Yourself Free. This is available on Kindle, hardcover, or paperback, and an awesome price on the hardcover. It's remarkable. So I highly recommend people getting it because just going over what Christian is about, 
you will love the book. Now, the book is also endorsed by a very famous person, Gloria Estevan. <laughs> let, let me quote what Gloria says about the book for the people. It is a rare occurrence indeed when a book not only delivers on its message, but also gives you practical, straightforward, and incredibly wise ways in which to apply the teachings put forth in Awakening the Soul of Power. I found it to be an introspective work that is a balm for the soul of anyone searching for truth and answers to life's difficult questions and truly look forward to the rest of Christian De La Huerta's Amazing Calling All Heroes series. It inspired me to purchase his previous book, Coming Out Spiritually, The Next Step. That's an awesome endorsement. Yes. How did that make you feel? Oh, my God. Uh, and I can't even tell you that day that I finally got it. Um, I got the, the email in the morning, and I wasn't able to get much done the rest of the day. I was like, I was in so much disbelief um, and gratitude because I knew that the endorsement of somebody like that, such a music icon, um, was going to help open doors and help me reach people that maybe perhaps I wouldn't have been able to reach otherwise. So I was just blown away and, and humbled by it. So how did you end up on the TEDx stage? You know, that's a good question too. Um, <laughs> that one was was a simpler thing. That one I was actually invited by um, somebody who had done my work um, years before, probably, I don't know, 20 years before that, and his life, you know, was changed and impacted for the better. And so he happened to be producing one of the TEDx um, conferences and reached out to me, and I, of course, said yes. Um, the, the Gloria Stefan thing was that was more of a process. That was a, a three-year-long process to, to get that quote. Yeah. Well, they're both very highly endorsable occurrences in your life. And yeah, thank you. When, when you have those experiences, it's great that you're out there sharing it and making sure that other people feel that they're worthy of themselves and define that inner power how can people actually do this for themselves, step out of that box? Do you have some tips, tricks for these people? Yeah, uh, some simple answers, but that doesn't make, mean that it's going to be an easy process. You know, that's, in fact, that's why uh, the series is called Calling All Heroes, because the way that I'm um, suggesting about it and teaching about that, I know works, right? Everything that I write about is stuff that I live and that I have put into practice myself. It's not stuff that I read some, somewhere else. It's like, I know it works. And and it helped to, to get me from a, a, like, oh, my God, what a, what a painful adolescent I was, like, so filled with self-doubt and even self-hatred. Like, my entire adolescence was one long depression with suicidal fantasies. And flash forward to today, it's like, no matter what happens in my life, no matter the details, like whether a relationship works out or it doesn't, whether a project succeeds or it fails, in quotes, 
um, I never, ever, ever, ever question my, my self-worth, my sense of self. That that level of self-love and self-acceptance is established and, and unshakable. Um, so in terms of how we do that, how we free ourselves, um, I, was, I would say, first of all, self-awareness. Like there's, we can't do about, we can't do anything about what we can't see, about what we don't know what's going on. Right, so that's that's the first step. Any anything that we can do to become aware of why we do the things we do, and and why do we have certain triggers, right? Certain things that that get us, that get our goat. Why is it that we attract certain types of people? Why do we create certain patterns in relationship uh, that sometimes feel like we're in the same boring movie that we've seen a thousand times? It just happens to be a different co-lead this time. So so why do we do that? Right, and and so the first step is is that is becoming aware of ourselves, and so the first probably quarter of the book is teaching about that, teaching about the ego mind, um, and its self-made prison of of judgment and expectations and demands and victimization and fear and doubt and um, you know reactivity and and so many of of its other shenanigans that the ego mind does. And, and so because if we want to have the kind of relationships that we long for, if we want to have a sense of personal empowerment, if we want to have a life that is filled with meaning and with purpose, we've got to understand the mind, the ego mind, because that is the obstacle. That is the reason that we are stuck in these self-made prisons. So self-awareness, which then leads to self-acceptance, which in turn leads leads to self love. That's kind of that's kind of the path of of transformation. And like you said earlier, it takes time. And it takes time, and and it's not easy. Yeah, yeah. You also talk about uh, turning the mirror. I love this because I I have that same perspective in my life. You have to look inward at everything you do in life. You know what you are is what you put out and exactly if, if you don't know what you are you're not sure of what you're putting out and that's a lot of this confusion in the world today because a lot of people are stuck and they don't know who they are fear holds them back a lot of the time when we choose to change we have to change a lot of our world around us and I found through my transformation, that's what took time is figuring out how to put new things in my life and take the old out. It it really is this process and finding those people to help transform you is is a very hard step for a lot of people to take. It's a difficult course. So yeah. It's it's nothing short of heroic, but it is so worthwhile because what becomes possible is freedom, yeah. right? And and choice. We get to choose who we are wherever we are, and we get to to live fully, not being driven by subconscious patterns that we're not even aware of that are having an impact on the quality of our lives. Yes, that's right. Now, you have this organization called Breathworks and 
from my research, it looks like you gave up going for your PhD to start this. Could you talk about that? Yeah, it's actually not an organization. Breathwork is okay. a practice. Yeah, so so breathwork is actually a very broad umbrella for, for breathing practices, breathing techniques. Uh, so some are simpler. You know, there's some more like you do it for a minute or two. There's certain breathing techniques, like a lot of people who do yoga don't know, you know, different practices that you do for stress management, for sleeping, for falling asleep more easily, uh, for for relaxation there are other breathing practices that that just bring focus and attention like you want to do like right before an important meeting or something um in, in, or to energize yourself like after lunch rather than depending on, on coffee um the the breathwork practice that that you're referring to is longer um and there are different modalities somewhat so the, the practice that i do is about an hour an hour and a half you breathe in a in a circular connected way for about an hour an hour and a half other practices go longer like three sometimes even four hours and it's incredibly powerful um and it's like you're right i was on a track to get a phd in psychology my dad was a psychiatrist and so i came out of that psychotherapy tradition when i discovered breath work I jumped tracks. Like, like after my first session, I knew that I would never be the same, and I wasn't. Um, my life went in a different direction, and I never went for the PhD because it works so fast and it heals so profoundly at so many levels. So I don't know anything more effective in terms of healing past trauma, uh, which we all have, you know, to different degrees. Um, up to you know going back to and including the moment of birth which is traumatic for everybody involved um and so we, we it also heals emotionally mentally spiritually and even physically and i know that sounds too good to be true like even 30 years later um having offered it all over the world and you know i can't argue with the results to to the logical more scientific part of myself of my mind like I, I know that sounds too good to be true that all that can happen just from breathing and that on top of that you can have amazing profound spirit for lack of another word spiritual experiences of, of feeling connected to to the cosmos to feeling ourselves as part of everything of seeing the interconnectedness of it all uh, to have connection with and, and communication with loved ones who have passed and people report that kind of stuff all the time. Um, divine visitations by angels or the Buddha or Mother Mary or, or you know, Ganesha. Um, you know, I can't promise that that's going to happen every time because that also depends on how open we are to that. But that it happens frequently, guaranteed. Uh, every single session that I've done in 30 years, which which is, you know, hundreds and hundreds and, you know, representing thousands and thousands of people is at least one or you know i would say more, i would say probably half um have that quant that depth of experience and probably more than half if i start thinking about it um so you know it just the bottom line is it works and and the science isn't there yet right they haven't studied yet like in the way that they have studied meditation that there's tons of research on what's going on in the brain when we meditate also, not only physiologically, but what happens in terms of performance at work when we have a regular med meditation practice. They're just start starting to do to, that kind of um, research on the breath. But here's the way that 
ultimately, I, I understand it. Um, in most spiritual traditions and religions in the world, the same word can mean spirit or breath, depending on, on the context. Um, and, and even in some secular languages. And you know, so for example, the ancient, ancient word pneuma, you know, from which we get pneumonia, meant both soul and lung. Uh, from the Latin spirata, that root, we get both respiration and inspiration or expiration. Um, and so many references in sacred texts about, you know, God breathing life into us. Um, and no matter what, you know, what that word, that three-letter word means to you, to me, it's, it's that, that life-giving breath. Um, no matter how you hold it, our most loyal, our most, our most faithful companion on this journey of, of embodiment. Um, that's what animates us, what, what, what also connects us to each other because it's, it's one breath, right? Like where does my breath end and yours end and, and yours begins? Um, and so, I mean, so much we could say about the breath. That was, that's what my TEDx talk is about. And we just don't have time to get into it, but just bottom line is it works. And I work with people all over the world with high-level corporate corporate leaders, billionaires, millionaires, um, spiritual leaders, authors, and and it works. I can't argue with the results. Yeah, interesting. You know, controlling the breath really works. I know this because when I get nervous, like before an interview or talking, I take time to start controlling my breath then, you know, long, deep breaths, controlling that rhythm. And it, it really helps me prepare for what's coming. And it's true in running, you want to control your breath, everything. It's, it's, it's very interesting. And I highly recommend people checking out the TEDx talk. I'm going to put the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. Uh, mm, another big you. thing I want to touch with you on is boundaries. Uh, people have this terrible time with setting boundaries and understanding when and how to say no. There's, on your YouTube, you talk about going on a cruise with your mother and the outcome of that is very uh, mindful. Could you talk about that, please? About setting boundaries or the experience with my mother? Well, uh, both, it, because I feel they kind of intertwine. Uh, you talk in that video where, you know, you allow certain things to go on and you know that you should put a stop to it. So a lot of people struggle with that, knowing when to say no. And yeah. uh, I, I just found that uh, talk about going on the cruise with your mother kind of <laughs> funny, you know. And, uh, yeah, it is funny. It's a lesson all in one there, you know. Yeah, it is a great lesson. And it's very humanizing, um, and it's, I, yeah. I, I teach it in retreats uh, to teach to help people understand what projection is. Right? Projection is, is a defense mechanism that 
it's you know there's something in ourselves that we cannot accept that we that we don't like and that yet we can't accept it so we suppress it but it's it's sort of like when we go to a movie and we see the movie out there on the screen but the source of it is really behind us it's it's that kind of thing right if 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 it's there it's here um it's a safe assumption and the more that whatever they do gets us the clearer the sign that we're also doing it in some way it doesn't it could look completely different Often it might be we're doing the same thing, but in relationship to ourselves, which is which is a deep question to ask. Um, how am I doing that? Uh, so anyway, the story it goes something like this: um, I took my mom on a cruise, and I think we went from from I think it was Rio to Buenos Aires in some Brazil to Argentina, and it was like a ten-day cruise, and I got some amazing price on it. But we shared a cabin. Mistake number one. Like I know this about myself, you know, I'm, I'm because I'm basically introverted. I need time alone to maintain my my sense of self and my equanimity. So my mom is kind of high maintenance, um, and so you know it's like, she, and she doesn't travel lightly. So I'm stepping all her stuff, all my stuff, all week, um, different modes of transportation, um, and she's got sleep apnea. Uh, so you know it's like. Sharing a room with with Darth Vader, like oh, all night, and so I'm not sleeping well. I'm getting tired, and and no time alone for self renewal because I can't just leave her and go wandering on my own. Um, and and so you know, it's very. It would be very easy for me to either feel victimized by my mom. It's like, oh my God, she's she's so much work to to make her wrong, to judge her, um, or or to make the situation wrong. Um, which is what we generally do. That's what the ego does. But, you know, so, so I kept having to practice. It's like, like, wait a minute, dude, whose idea was it? Who's paying for the trip? And which, you know, of course, was me. Um, and so, you know, and, and then, you know, like we, we, my mom's also overweight and she's diabetic and she was like going to town in these buffets on the cruise. And so I'm having to again do that self-discipline practice, you know, not to say anything. So like I, I know, like I know what kind of food gets served on 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 cruises, um, and so you know it's been work all this week. We finally uh, get down to the last stop to Buenos Aires, and because we're we're using my air, airplane miles, uh, my airline miles to go back, back to fly back back and forth, um, we ended up having to stay two extra nights in Buenos Aires. Um, so it's the last night, and you know we're at this famous um, kind of flea market that they have, and my mom sees this ring that she's got a house, and but the, you know this was before um, Apple Pay, and um, I don't think I don't think they even took credit cards, um, and Square and all this kind of stuff. So it was cash only, and she didn't have enough cash on her. I didn't have enough cash on me. Story could have ended here, but I hear these words come out of my mouth which is, well, you know, I do have this emergency stash back at the uh, condo that we were renting, not thinking that any rational human being would ever want to to dip into an emergency stash. That's what it's for. And a ring is definitely not an emergency in, in my perception. But she, And then she goes, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm like in disbelief. It's like, what kind of emergency is this? So I know, I, I know, I'm very aware that I could say no, but I override that. You know, it's my mom after all. And but now, you know, I'm no time alone. I'm tired. I haven't been sleeping well. And now you now add time pressure. Like like this is the perfect storm. 
um, because now we got to go. We have dinner and a tango show at X, X time. Now we have to go. Uh, before that, we got to go to a restaurant somewhere else, and now we got to go clear across town to get the, the, the damn ring. So, and my mom doesn't move fast. So I'm like, Mom, we got to go. Mom, we got to go. And, and finally, we get on the cab. I go, I go get the ring, get back in the car, get back in the cab. And I forget what she said to this day. That was it. That, that was like the final straw. And and even as I'm saying, like I, I'm self-aware. I've been doing this work for a long time, so I'm self-aware. And even as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm already regretting it in the same moment. Um, and it's, it's just like, you know, 30 seconds, you, you're, you're out of control and you have no self-discipline and you've been on this feeding frenzy, um, you know, like a shark feeding frenzy. You've been on this eating frenzy and you've been on this shopping frenzy for a week and without any self-control and immediately it's, oh, my God, how could I have said it that way to my mom? Um, you know, but that's what happens, right, when we suppress stuff, like we suppress it, we suppress it, and then it's going to pop out and, you know, and, and going to be worse. It's going to cause harm. But my mom, you know, she was great. She, like, said, you know, you're right. She said, you're right. And and left it there. She didn't explain it. She didn't defend it. Of course, now she's happy with a big old ring on her finger. Um, and, you know, so so flash forward, and this is where the, 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 the lesson comes in. Um, I'm in New York um, on, on a business trip, and my friend Holly is a personal shopper. And so she goes. She sees on social media that I'm in town, and she goes, "Hey, I wanna, I'm gonna gift you with a, with a day of personal shopping." It's like I've never had a personal shopper. I don't really enjoy going to the stores. Um, so I said, "Why? Well, I, you know, I could use that. I could use somebody to kind of be my guide and take me to, to good deals and and give me some feedback. I need to get some some stuff for for work for spe- speaking engagements." And so I said, "Yes." In my mind, five hundred bucks. That's that's it, max. Four thousand dollars later, like I should have, I should have known that my personal shoppers is not going to take me to Ross or, or Nordstrom Rack. Um, I, I'm, you know, it, it, it ended up being three thousand because if there was a jacket that was a thousand bucks, I couldn't do it. But at this point in the story, it's like four thousand dollars, and I'm like sitting numbed out, like I don't even like at my friend's place that I was staying, surrounded by bags. And and I don't even know what to do. The only thing that pops into my mind is to call my mom, the shopaholic. She would, if anybody can appreciate what I got, it would be her. So I call her and I'm telling her, you know, just I got this and I got that and the other thing. And and very calmly, very quietly, I don't know if she was been sitting on it or it was just like a moment of inspiration, but she just very calmly goes, oh, so you went into the frenzy. <laughs> like, like bam she totally busted me um so of course right if it's there it's here it, i just have it a lot better managed than she does um and so so that's the point of the story you know it's a fun way to like if we want to see some of those blind spots in ourselves that we're never going to see in ourselves but we can see them clearly in somebody else and those people that we're in relationship relationship with so that is a way that we can use our relationships to to see it because like we were talking about before if we can't see it there's nothing we can do about it we can't heal it we can't clear it we can um you know make any choice about it if it's if it's being driven from the subconscious um so so that's my my true story well that is a very powerful lesson 
you know, and we all should take that in and really examine that lesson because we all do that. And yeah, we if do. we can recognize it, it might make it better for all of us. I want to segue into your website, soulfulpower.com. What mm -hmm. is soulful power? Well, you know, that goes back to the, to the theme of this book um, about how we step into power in a different way. That is not about a hierarchy, control, fear, force, domination. So, so I talk about how there's different types of power, right? Because the, the way that most of us think of power is the way that the world looks at power is, you know, we tend to associate people who, who have money, people who are famous, uh, people who are high up in some kind of hierarchy, whether it's a corporate ladder or some kind of religious hierarchy or something, right? But the thing about all those kinds of powers that they're outside of us, they're external. So because of that, they can be here today, gone tomorrow. Whereas the other kind of power that I write about, which, you know, call it spiritual power, call it authentic power, uh, soulful power, it's inside each and every one of us. It's in there, whether we can feel it yet or not. But it's, it's part of us, every one of us. And, and it's, nobody can give it to us. Nobody can take it away. We are the only ones who can give it away. And like we were talking about earlier, it's for sad reasons that we end up giving it away. Uh, so a couple of differences, for example, to, to illustrate what I mean by that. Worldly power, egoic power, um, tends to tends to always have an agenda. So it's always trying to get something for itself. And it's always trying to make itself bigger, right? To blow itself to seem bigger than it is. So it's self-aggrandizing. Um, whereas the other kind of power, you know, soulful power, it, it's, it just is. It doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. And it's mighty. Um, and, and it doesn't have an agenda. It's always, it's, 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 it's about service. It's about making a difference. And, and so think about, for example, uh, Gandhi or Gandalf in Lord of the Rings in, in their simple monastic robes, their sandal feet. You would never know how much power they hold until it's needed. And then watch out. Like, like Gandhi brought the British Empire to its knees when it was at its highest point in terms of global influence and global reach without ever landing a punch or shooting a gun. That's power. When we find out how to shift our power to that mindset and the control that it takes to control all of those emotions that are just part of us, that's powerful. It's a yes. Thing. You have a lot of things to help people on your website. You have events. Uh, coaching. Could you talk to people about what you offer? Yeah, I've been doing retreats, weekend retreats, workshops, um, introductory breathwork sessions for the last thirty years. I also I also offer longer, um, you know, journeys. I call them spiritual treks or soulful treks. That you know, I go with a group of people and and intimate, you know, fifteen twenty people max to beautiful places with a spiritual theme so you know and and it's what it what it, it's a retreat and a vacation got married and had a child 
that's what those are, right? So we'll go, for example, Hawaii or southern France or Egypt or Peru, um, New Mexico. And we do, we'll do some touristic things, but always with a spiritual, you know, direction. And then we do, like, like retreat experiences like breathwork and, and other things like that. Um, I haven't gone back yet to doing live events because of the fact that breathwork is an integral part of what I do. It's like I don't feel that I can guarantee a safe container yet where we can all breathe powerfully together. Um, you know, people even who have been vaccinated are still, um, you know, with this new variant, they're still, um, you know, getting the virus. Uh, so I'm going to wait a little bit longer before I do that. So one of the, the gifts for me uh, of that COVID gave me without minimizing any of the tragic parts of it, but one of, one of the two main gifts that it gave me is like one, it gave me the opportunity to finish this book that I've been kind of brewing for 10 years. And two, it forced me to develop virtual programming, which I've known for years I needed to do. Well, you know, last year I went from 100,000 miles to zero and I went from my income like to a screeching halt. And so COVID kind of forced my hand and I had to create virtual programming, which, which I'm really grateful because I'll go back to the retreats again as soon as, as we can. And it's, they're amazing and they're life changing and, and all that. And what I've also noticed over the years, if, if people will come and they'll have an amazing life changing experience, if they don't have a support system, um, some kind of practice when they go back into their lives, a certain, a certain number of those will, after a few months, you know, they'll start forgetting and those old ego voices of self doubt, of fear, uh, lack of self worth, all that, all that stuff starts creeping, creeping up and dragging them down again. What I love about this concept of of, of this year long coaching program that I've uh, created is that I get to deliver the teachings piecemeal, so like a little bite size amount every week. But here's the difference, you know, there's there's interactivity. Uh, so every week, a little bit of content, but practice is connected to it, and those practices are designed to apply the teachings to our to our lives so that it doesn't stay at the level of information. What we've got way too much information. We've got information overload. What we really need is transformation, and that's what those teachings are designed to do. The other thing that, that uh, this model allows me to, to do is to provide support over a whole year. So they have coaching calls with me every two weeks. Um, there's a, 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 a sense of family and community um, of people who are sharing that same journey of, of transformation, a heroic journey together during the course of the year, and there's a system of accountability as well. Um, so to keep us real with ourselves and doing what we said that we were going to do. You know, and it's a safe place. You say it's a safe environment for people to come and uh, share and experience. That's an awesome. Everybody is welcome, and, you know, it's a it's a journey well worth taking to be around people willing to protect individuals mm. around them. And that's mm. what it's about, protecting each other from all of this vicious harm that we're all surrounded by daily in this world. Yeah. So until we all can get that heart of Gandhi and even Gandhi, <laughs> You know, he went through his troubled years also. So that For transformation, sure. you know, that transformation that you speak about, it's very, very 
needed in each and every one of us. For sure. Like, truth, you just spoke. And, and nobody's perfect, and we're always learning, we're always Im- improving. Yes. Mm-hmm. So do you have a call to action for people? Well, you know, I would say, like, <laughs> like, like, get the book, right? Because the book will make it easier. It'll walk you by the hand, step by step, not, not only to understand the ego mind and why we do the things we do, but also to understand about the differences between worldly power and, and soulful power so that we can stop, you know, stop selling out. We can stop giving it away. We can stop playing small. We can stop saying yes when inside we really feel no and and, and really have the kind of lives and relationships that we long for. Um, and, and again, it's designed in the same way as the year-long, you know, short chapters with um, power practices at the end. Um, you can do it at your own pace. But the important thing is, is not getting through the book, is applying the teachings to, to our lives. Um, and, and so that's what it's designed to support. Um, and in terms of beyond that, you know, if, if you develop a, a simple breathing practice, um, whether it's, uh, you know, you set a timer three times a day, set an alarm three times a, a, times a day, and for 60 seconds, you're not looking at your computer screen, you're not doing anything, you're not moving, or I guess you could be moving, um, but you're basically in observant, right? Self-observation mode, right? So you're not talking to others, you're, you're like, just kind of like a, like a, beep, 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 like, a, like, a, like, a, like a radar, just observing the camera, taking everything in. And so you're noticing surroundings, you're, you're noticing breathe, breathe, if there's a breeze that's caressing your skin, what you're looking at, what you're seeing, whether your body's sitting down, are you feeling any sensations? And then going deeper, right? What, what am I thinking? What thoughts are going through our head? What emotions am I feeling? Am I feeling sad? Am I feeling angry? Am I feeling joyful? Am I feeling whatever I'm feeling? But if we do that three times a day, that's going to really deepen our, our sense of who we are and our self-awareness. And that alone, that simple practice, will, will change our lives. Well, you are very inspiring and a very powerful personality. And we do thank you for being on Dead America Podcast. Could you tell people how to get a hold of you? Well, yes. And, and before I do that, Ed, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for, for having the podcast, the podcast that I know reaches many, many lives and makes a difference in, 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 in many real human lives. And thank you also for recording it when, when there's a, a major forest fire just a few miles away. Um, <laughs> um, and in terms of how, how to best reach me, the website that you mentioned earlier, soulfulpower.com. Um, from there, they can access uh, social media connections. And for your listeners, if they will sign up to be on my email list right now, uh, and we know how easy it is to unsubscribe, just click on subscribe later if it, later if it doesn't work for you. But just by signing up to be on my email list, they'll get, they'll get a sample chapter, um, and the one that talks about what it means to live heroically in 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 the 21st century. Uh, they'll get some of these power practices that we were just talking about, and uh, they'll get a, a, a recording of a, of a guided meditation and a short teaching about trust, which I think is very, very helpful in these times of chaos and uncertainty. 
Well, that is sure appreciated. And it's always nice to reach out and help people. I thank you for doing that so much, Christian, and enjoy your afternoon. Thank you, and you as well, and, and many blessings with to you and your loved ones with the uh, situation out west. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way, please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode of Dead America Podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon, wherever you may be.